0: All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm very excited to be joined by a special guest who made it no no clearer that he is a, a Lakers partisan folk uh, joining the podcast on today. It is Harrison Fagan at H F Fagan H M Fagan on Twitter. Excuse me uh harrison it's fantastic for you to be here i do really appreciate it of course Thank you so much for tuning. In. And how are you after uh, after what was a tough loss for you guys,
1: right? Well, you know, I, I, thank you, thank you for having me, Ryan. It's always fun to jump back on with you. But uh, you know, as you can tell, I still belief is high. We still believe it's you know the the Lakers. Everybody gave up on them, you know, early in the season, and the even after the trade deadline, said you know, oh, you know, are they even going to make it out of the plan? And look at look at us, Western Conference Finals, just a little small family business that could, uh, you know, overcoming the odds. And you know, I, I think down oh, down one zero. It is their first time trailing in a
0: playoff series, but I'm not ready to give up the belief yet. Good lord, are we? This is uh, this is my my least favorite bit that comes out of Laker fandom. Is this this we believe? Hey,
1: look, it's just it's <laughs> a little
0: small independent business run mm.
1: f- family owned for years in Los mm. Angeles you know primary source of income for the bus family they they can't compete with these big market teams like Denver it's and Walmart you know like Walmart and yeah you know the Walmart owners it's just like that that is an unparalleled bankroll that the Lakers cannot hope to match and so just the fact that they're here is an achievement I think Um, and you know just again little team that could just one all NBA player going up against the two-time MVP no one on the D. All- Defense team, just you know, like no one getting executive of the year votes, no one getting coach of the year votes. It's just a bunch of overachievers coming together, trying to be greater than the sum of their parts. And so,
0: wow, wow, that uh, I I see you have rehearsed that over several hours of podcasting. That's for sure, Uh, Harrison. uh, For for everybody that's that's a Nuggets fan in the chat, Harrison. Uh, was my boss for a very brief amount of time at SB Nation. Uh, he's I he's about two days. Manager. Yeah, two days. <laughs> and then I told him, I'm out, I'm out. I, Harrison, Harrison took over. I'm I'm done. And uh no, it's so it's so funny that that, that that's ultimately what happened. It kind of transitioned away. I started started a whole transition, but I've now been at MHS for the better part of a year and uh things things are going okay. Things are things are going pretty well. But uh, do really appreciate it, of course, and, and do really appreciate you stopping in and, and, and helping out this small business over here. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're we're doing great, but I, I wanted to in, in this in this part podcast, I wanted to be able to get your takes as a as a Lakers writer, as a uh, partisan uh, for the Lakers side of things. The Lakers fan base, I think, is still very confident, is still very positive about what happened last night, despite the fact that it was an L, despite the fact that they hadn't lost either of the previous two game ones when they went on the road. And it felt like for the vast majority of that game that the Nuggets were the way better team. And then you make an adjustment, and we can talk about all of those things, but it definitely felt like the Nuggets were really good, And then the Lakers hit them with this massive counterpunch that Lakers fans all feel very good about and feel good about for the rest of the series. So just wanted to be able to get your perspective on that throughout this podcast. And we can talk about how how, uh, serious that is, how fake that is, how fake some of the Nuggets ultimate adjustments will end up being, what it's going to look like. But I'm just very curious. Hangover takes for game one. What's the first thing that stands out to you?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the number one thing is that I, I think this is going to be a long series. Like, I, I don't think that this is going to be some, you know, if the Lakers, I may have felt differently if the Lakers had just sort of wilted last night and just sort of, you know, wrote out, you know, the the final throws of a blow of a game that was a blowout for basically three quarters, you know, for the majority of three quarters at least. Like, they really only started to make their run in the fourth. You know, there were a couple times obviously throughout the game where they got it a little closer, a little closer, but Denver always sort of pretty quickly pushed back on it you know whether if they let their foot off the gas for a couple minutes it's like oh lakers cut it to 10 or lakers cut it to 12 and it's denver's pushing back out and extending towards 20 so if that would have continued for the entire game i think maybe i'd feel a little differently today i i'm not of the mind that because the lakers came back that like oh you know denver moral loss Lakers have figured them out. They just ran out of time. You know, I I think that the truth is more somewhere in the middle, where these two teams are more evenly matched than I think the first three quarters showed. But, you know, I don't think that the Lakers are going to go on, like, a 20-2 to run, you know, every single game, you know, just by putting Rui onto Jokic. I don't think that that is necessarily, like, a master key that unlocks, you know, all of their potential every single time. I think it's a look that they're going to go to. I think, like any look that—and Denver fans, I don't need to tell this—like, any look that you show uh, throw at Jokic, it's not going to work for an entire 48 minutes, but I think the Lakers have found sort of one defensive strategy that they can throw to kind of gum up the works a little bit, and now it is going to be on both teams, frankly, to adjust more because the Lakers have to figure out, okay, how do we get closer to 48 minutes of good play versus just 8, you know, in uh in the last game. And for the Nuggets, it's okay if they're going to do this. Now they have the tape. They know what the Lakers sent at them, and they have to look at, okay, how do we adjust for this? How do we get Aaron Gordon, you know, either out of the dunker spot? How do we get him on the move? Is it's the answer kind of bringing him up and having him be a screener? But then okay, LA is surely going to uh, anticipate that, and they're going to be anticipating these counters and prepping for these possible counters because just like the Nuggets it's, you know we're talking today that they've seen teams kind of throw you know a smaller guy on Jokic and have a rim protector sort of come in as that secondary defensive attacker you know just like they've seen that before the Lakers have seen how teams adjust to this strategy before and so they're going to have to prepare and game two I think is going to be fascinating on who can come out and sort of adjust and get the most natural advantages out of those counters and so I'm, I'm excited to watch it I, I think it's going to be a really good series I predicted Lakers and seven going in and and I think that regardless of whether or not, you know, that's a coin flip of a prediction, basically, because by virtue of going seven, that's, you know, you're you're saying that you think the other team could very well win the series. Um, I do think that it's going to be a long series, and I'm really curious to see how both teams continue to adjust.
0: Yeah, going to have a lot of adjustments for sure. And, and with a team like the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you have a lot of flexibility there. You've got a lot of different pieces that are very smart, very intelligent, very versatile and the lakers have built a roster where they, they can pick and choose kind of the the elements that they'd like in order to go from game to game which should give them some advantages throughout this series but i think the first thing that that really popped into my head when, when trying to figure out okay what what actually happened with this one is that neither Jokic or d could actually stop the other person and I do think that that impacts the Lakers more because I think the Nuggets weren't really expecting to be able to stop AD with Jokic one-on-one to begin with. Uh, That obviously bore out, and Denver's got to do a better job of shrinking on AD and making things more difficult for him going forward, and I think that they will. But with the Lakers, it it was so bad for the first three quarters that in order to get back into the game, they had to, I think, show their first hand. They had to show their first major adjustment in this series. and usually in that situation if it's a good adjustment which it was it clearly was usually in that adjustment it usually leads to a win i'm not sure like because this one was a nuggets win and they got to see it and they got to actually like understand what's coming like i I think that that will help them going forward but that's at least one thing that i'm thinking about is okay denver was affected by ad going off The Lakers were affected by Jokic going off, but I think the Lakers were the first team to blink and had to be the first team to blink in this one. And I do think that matters for kind of how the rest of the series is going to go. Yeah, no, I think for sure it does. And it is one of these things where Denver
1: can, you know, I joked about the moral loss Thing earlier, but to some degree, there is an element of that where, like, if Denver had just won by thirty, or like if the Lakers had never shown that adjustment, then Denver's going into Game Two, and of course, like they're expect, like every coaching staff, they're going to prep for adjustments and try and brief their team. But there is, I think, a psychological factor that we see this throughout, sort of the playoffs and with, with various teams. Like, if you're coming off a win, you're not necessarily uh, going to be mentally ready for that counter punch if-, if you felt like you were pretty dominant in the previous game. And so, I do think that there is a certain level of advantage for the Nuggets in that they took this punch like you said they came out with the win anyway so it's not like like you know where the Lakers threw this amazing adjustment and then they stole a win and now it's on Denver they kind of get both where they get to they got the win and they get the opportunity to be like okay we got punched in the mouth a little bit we're gonna have to adjust to this because this is a real threat for us and this is something that we've seen can sort of take us off our game but at the same time like the Lakers now sort of go into, I I thought that honestly the Lakers for the most part, I think the first half was a little bit a little bit of altitude stuff, like they clearly were not kind of, you know, you can, I'm sure you've seen this over the years as many times as anyone, but, you know, you can tell when a team kind of doesn't have their legs under them right away, and that was part of it, and I think the Nuggets just frankly came out and kicked their ass to start that game, and were clearly more up for it than the Lakers were, and it's not like they had some massive rest advantage, I think maybe one day, so it's not that type of thing they just clearly you know they they're there they're in front of their home fans they're in the western conference finals they were ready to go out and take it and i think the lakers came into it um a little bit more with less of sort of that energy and execution and hunger than the nuggets did and that's not to chalk all of it up to that intangible stuff, but I think that the Lakers are going to play better than they did in the first half of last night's game over the course of this series. And I think that, you know, you and I, the last time we podcasted, we talked about video games and, you know, our shared love of them. And the analogy that I made earlier today on our podcast was, you know, I I don't know if you're
0: playing Jedi Survivor or, um, you know... I just finished Jedi Fallen Order because I never actually fully completed it. So I'm, I finished Jedi Fallen Order. I'm probably going to play Survivor here soon. Okay. So this is going to resonate with you. In that game, there's a good amount of puzzles. And part of the
1: puzzles mm. is like timing and doing steps in the correct order. And it's like, okay, I figured out that my, with this power, I can make this kind of ball rotate here and, mm. you know, this thing go here. But I, for some reason, it's not all clicking together. And so I feel like the Lakers had a lot of the puzzle answers. They just didn't necessarily, you know, kind of pull those levers in the right order. Like I think the small lineup can work. I just don't think that it can work against Denver starters. I think that there, it's clearly a Rui series. And so I would imagine he comes into next game and gets the start because they lost that'll kind of give ham the you know ability to go to that adjustment and not have anyone feel like they're being punished you know despite like coming in off of game six if they would have went to that lineup like it would have Felt, You know, I think that's a harder thing to sell in the locker room where if you're coming off a loss, it's like, okay, you guys had your chance. We're going to Rui. It was clear to anyone, you know, with eyes how effective he was. So I think that some of that stuff and then also I think game one sort of clearly showed that this is not a Vando series. I think I would look for Wenyan Gabriel to potentially, you know, sort of replace his minutes or, Mm. you know, for them to try and, you know, at least send him to the offensive glass or do some different stuff. Because I thought, frankly, he hustled them out of the game a little bit in that first and kind of second quarter where he was just you know he he clearly had energy he was trying but he was almost Too physical and was sort of everywhere and just did not appear to be an offensive liability, didn't seem to have a natural defensive matchup. I would sort of look more for the Lakers to, you know, if they're going to go to those small units, doing it against the Nuggets bench, which is very small, uh, without Jokic in the game, and sort of trying to get Rui in there more from the jump. Not necessarily always to defend Jokic, because I do think that some of that is still going to fall to AD, but I think that the Lakers have sort of some answers to some of these puzzles. They just sort of have to deploy them a Little bit differently.
0: One of the, and I actually, I, I do want to, I want to save the Rui adjustment for the second segment, and we'll, we'll make sure to keep people around for, for some of the answers that we have on, on that one. But I, I do think that in general, uh, Bruce Brown, Rui Hachimura, those guys were both very good in coming mm-hmm. off the bench in this game. Bruce Brown, uh, on one of those plays that you're talking about, Vando being a little bit over aggressive, uh, kind of gets out of, gets out of Bruce's way, trying to pressure him full courts. Bruce dusts him, gets to the rim big dunk, uh, very, very important play for Denver in that third quarter. And and it's just going to be those types of things that a guy like Bruce Brown continues to do. He's been great for Denver in, in these playoffs, and, and I think he'll be important for this series. Although although one thing that we, we saw is that neither of these teams really could stop the other, and like 132 to one, 126 is is a pretty big deal. I think that Denver will figure out some stuff with the Rui adjustments, and that's not going like, to shut down their entire offense. But – the shooting Probably should still not. be able to should still be able to continue, unless I mean, is is the Nuggets shooting or the Lakers shooting more sustainable? I think both teams had a really really strong uh, had a really really strong game one in terms of the actual shots that they were hitting. Let me just hit you with some numbers here. Lakers, they shot eighty four percent at the rim, sixteen of nineteen. Uh, obviously, you've got a really talented group. You've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Those guys are great at finishing at the rim. The Nuggets aren't great at protecting the rim. Uh, That probably will continue. 71% on corner threes. We'll we'll see. Like, maybe maybe that will continue. Maybe it won't. Uh, 88% of the free throw line. Like, AD's a very good free throw shooter. LeBron's not a great free throw shooter, and he did miss. Uh, But the other guys, actually, there were only four other free throws attempted, and they're all by Reeves, who's a good free throw shooter himself. So those will probably continue. Uh, Nuggets, they shot 69% on long twos. Nice. Uh, 9 of 13. From the field, 50% on above the break threes, which is probably the biggest uh, thing if we're talking about this. I think the Lakers, one of the things I identified about the Lakers was that they give up a lot of open threes at the top of the key and then kind of above the break, uh, just because if AD is going to sag into the paint, then that's just where Denver's threes are going to have to come. And they took them and they made them. The 57% on the tightly contested threes, those are the ones where, yeah, like Murray hits a shot over LeBron that wasn't actually a three. It got downgraded to a two, but like Denver shot really well. And Lakers fans were not very happy with uh, people saying, yeah, Denver can absolutely keep doing that. I'm here to tell most Lakers fans, especially if if you're in the chat, if you're listening to this, Denver shoots really well. And they, they are probably the best shooting team in the league, if we're being honest. They've got dynamic shooters that are capable of doing a lot of different things. And that they can go off the pull up, they can go off the catch, and you're going to be surprised. You're going to continue to be surprised too.
1: Yeah, and I, I, so sort of to the question on the Chiron there, uh, which one is more sustainable? I would have, you have to say the Nuggets to some degree just because you meant like they are a better offensive team than the Lakers are. You know, but that said some of that stuff like the above the break numbers that you mentioned like that has very much been you know, very darvin ham you know buxy like sort of like we're going to if we're, we're going to give up threes or we have to give up something but we're going to give up this specific type of three and the nuggets credit to them like on some level you're gonna you're gonna live or die by that and if the nuggets are gonna shoot 50 percent on above the break threes then the lakers are probably on especially on 24 of them the lakers are probably just gonna lose that game like that's gonna be a tough sort of thing to overcome where you know i, I don't like 50 percent. that seems unlikely to continue like, you know. So even if it drops to forty percent, that takes a couple of points off the board and sort of makes a difference. But you know, again, I don't know if the Nuggets are going to shoot like forty percent on those shots. Like, if the Lakers are going to get smarter about who they're giving up those shots to, you know, I think we may end up seeing a few more of those come to Aaron Gordon, depending on how the Nuggets try to counter this sort of you know when AD is on him versus Rui type of thing. And then is that shooting going to continue from him? Like, probably not. So you know, if you're redistributing some of those shots, that makes a difference. the you also you. Shout it out, Bruce Brown. I want to sort of, in turn, shout out the Nuggets coaching staff because they clearly watched the uh, footage of the Lakers first two rounds where anytime uh, you know LeBron and Rui were the front court and AD was off the floor that he was like a heat-seeking missile going to the rim and so was the whole Nuggets staff and that's something that you know the Lakers LeBron's gonna have a really loud kind of chase down weak side block every so often Rui has actually shown capable of those every so often but for the most part you know you're going to be able to get to the rim at will against that front court and so that is something again where you know I would like to see some Wenyan-Gabriel minutes from the Lakers, you know, just sort of to have a bigger body out there that makes, you know, makes you at least think about it. And even if he's very foul prone, like makes the Nuggets earn it at the line type of thing rather than giving up a layup line where, again, that's contributing to those sky high Nuggets shooting numbers where the Lakers were just, you know, yeah, if you allow a parade of layups during the minutes that AD is not in, then yeah, like the Nuggets are going to shoot really, really well. And so some of that is the Lakers have been the best defense in the playoffs until last night. I, I don't know if they're, that's still the case after last night. They certainly allow it. Uh, the defensive rating, I'm sure, took a hit. Uh, I have not looked at it today, but um, I don't know if it's best in the playoffs anymore. But they were until that point, and I would expect them to have some answers. But I also would expect them to probably, you know, on some of those three-point attempts, probably shoot a little worse. Although, again, that's not the majority of their offense. And I do think that last night showed that they can attack Jokic. They can attack threat and Nuggets around the rim, and that is going to be something that's fruitful for them. So can they eliminate some of those threes for Denver and sort of keep this thing a little closer and tilt the math game? more their way like I, that's sort of what I would expect to see
0: we will just have to play that by year I, I know that that's it's these are all the adjustments that the Nuggets are going to have to go through that the Lakers are going to have to go through and there's going to be a lot to it it's just just how this is it's I, I didn't say that this was going to be a, a long series but kind of regretting that well that's just because you're a hater yeah, yeah just, just a hater hate just small that's, that's who I am it's uh it's what I do so <laughs> it's uh it's always fun it's always fun because you, you can't have you can't have takes on, on on the on the the old Tweety Bird anymore. So, but it is what it is. Uh, tell you what though, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, just some other questions on strict adjustments for Game Two for both teams, including uh, is is the Lakers starting lineup actually going to change or not? We will see. But first, everybody, in this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Bring that big bet energy this summer with Superbook. They are the most trusted name in sports betting. And right now, use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Simply visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions or download the Superbook Colorado app in the app stores. Enter the promo code MILEHIGH and you'll get $250 courtesy of Mile High Sports and Superbook Sports. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, folks. If you can, drop a like on the show. Uh, trying to grow the YouTube program over here at Mile High Sports. I uh, got some good things going on, and we've got some some stellar backgrounds going into this thing. If, if we have more guests on the We Believe Lakers, those are those are some words that I'm. Uh, I hope I never have to utter in a couple weeks. That would be that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, but of course, I'm joined here by Harrison Fagan, who uh, it's very strong uh, with the Lakers. He, he understands everything that that goes on and written for silver screen and roll for years. You also do a podcast with uh, with Anthony Irwin, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. We uh, the Lakers lounge over on, uh, on over on Blue
0: Wire. So if you guys are if you're looking for a Lakers podcast, that's the one I'm sure that you'll love listening to Harrison and you'll hate listening to Anthony. That's that's probably what's going to happen if we're being honest. But uh, yeah, no, you know, man. honestly, that that's generally what I tell people. So yeah, I, I think that's fair. <laughs> Anthony is—he's uh, not making friends with with uh, Nuggets folks right now. <laughs> let me let me tell you—you but... you know, what's funny—he doesn't really make friends with anyone. Lakers
1: fans get mad at him for being too negative, and then other fans get mad at him for you know it, some of his takes on there. He's he's an irritant, you know. He he is a little bit, you know, it, it's. He's like the Draymond Green of podcast. Well, that's probably a bad comparison, but now, um, now it's a
0: bad example because
1: he. he actually yeah, well, because really Dr- I guess Draymond Green is the Draymond Green of podcasting. Mm, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's like the he's the Dennis Schroeder, you know, moderately oh, yeah. successful, um, that of moderately successful,
0: irritating, you know, flopping
1: a lot. Yeah, I think I think that works.
0: <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, you guys make sure make sure to check out Lakers Lounge with Harrison and Anthony. Those guys do great, great work. All right, let's talk adjustments for game two. Uh, For both teams here, I've got four questions that I really wanted to base this off of, but we can go any direction that you want to. Uh, First one, we've already covered. Let's get into the Rui Hachimura discussion just a little bit here, just because I think that he's going to start. I think that he will probably not guard Jokic immediately, but there will be plenty of times where they switch different actions, where they uh, do what they can to provide a little bit more size, even if it's just against somebody like Michael Porter Jr., like making sure that they have a guy who can match up size-wise with him. I'm surprised that Denver didn't go to Michael Porter a little bit more down the stretch just because uh, he was he was kicking ass in, in a lot of that time. So I, I can't imagine they will. Like both teams will try to adjust to that, but having Rui out there at least provides a little bit more size, athleticism, and interior defense. And so if they want to go to the Rui guards, Jokic, AD guards, AG, like that's, that's perfectly reasonable for them.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, you know, what's funny was coming into sort of yesterday's game and sort of watching the Nuggets, you know, go up against the Lakers. We're finally seeing this matchup, you know, the, the thing that struck me was, and I don't know if this is just because KCP is on the team, but like it reminded me size wise in tr- uh, a little bit of, uh, especially against the smaller Lakers starting lineup of, you know, the, the 2020, uh, you know, bubble Lakers that Nuggets fans know and love where you know it's this, Yeah, just like it, it, the the Nuggets are the were the ones all of a sudden that were the bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, it's it's funny. We called that those Lakers like the bigger, stronger, faster Lakers. It's weird to say faster about a team with Jokic on it, but I think it still works. Like he's still, you know, he gets the ball moving down the floor. Like he he's. He's the only player in NBA history to ever be deceptively quick, like actually <laughs> deceptively quick, you know. Um, and uh, so I think I think it works. And, you know, obviously, it, like Gordon's a little smaller than AD at the four or whatever, but the, they still had size advantages basically at every single position. And we're shooting over the Lakers lineup like they were, you know, folding chairs in a draft workout in BG on Leon. And so, like, I, I think it's, you know, you're going to have I think if you're the Lakers, the Rui adjustment sort of like what you're talking about, it just gets a little more size. The floor to contest those shots a little bit more to you know just make the Nuggets think about it a little bit more often than they really have to early on against that Lakers lineup and so I do expect him to start I think it will probably be for Dennis although you know I guess maybe there's a chance that it's Elo, but that seems unlikely to me just you know you had the report from Dave McMenamin the Lakers don't really view that as sort of a realistic demotion, at least right now where they think that they may lose him. And that's sort of some of the similar phrasing that we heard last year about like, why isn't Russell Westbrook coming off the bench? It's like, well, we think, you know, we're going to lose him, which is usually code for like, he's going to stop trying if uh, that happens. And so, you know, I don't, see how the Lakers are running into the same problem with another guy named Russell but I guess that's where we're at and so and again like I, I think D'Lo will play better than he did in game one like he, he's he been a guy that has been up and down the whole playoffs you know it may take until they get back to Los Angeles he's d- generally played better in the friendly confines of the crypt um, but like he is a guy that is up and down he's somewhere between sort of a 16 and 82 game player he's not a complete sort of regular season merchant where like he just can't do any like your Malik Beasley's or whatever whatever. whatever, where it's like that guy, unplayable in the playoffs, get him off the floor. Um, But like, he is not someone that's going to be there for you in all 16, you know, wins or whatever it may be. And so I think – I think it's fine to keep starting him. I think it is going to be Rui for Dennis. And I think you see Dennis come in and try to sort of wreak havoc as like a change of pace off the bench, you know, still getting into some of those like Murray plus bench units where he's trying to kind of harass him and pester him around there. But that's sort of I'm sort of with you. And what I would expect to see is not necessarily like, okay, Rui. You're, you're defending Jokic for how many minutes a game he averages, 38, you know, whatever, in the playoffs, somewhere around there. But like, all right, you're on him, all 38. Like, I, I don't think that's the answer either, but I do think that it'll be sort of like a change of pace, like him and AD maybe switching a little bit, uh just sort of, you know, keep him guessing. No, don't make him comfortable. That's sort of what you have to do.
0: Yeah, I think uh, just we'll just go back to that one here real quick. Uh, I think that one of the things that Denver may try in those situations is sliding MPJ to the four taking out Aaron Gordon altogether and just going with Porter and and other shooters as are surrounding the Murray Jokic pick and roll, or they keep a G on the floor because they feel like they have to, if they're going to guard LeBron in that situation, then they've got to do it. Uh, and and then they will go, go that other direction. Uh, one of the, one of the lineups that stood out to me last night. Uh, one of the reasons why the Lakers came back was Denver went to Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff green, Nikola Jokic. So they're three bench guys with Murray and Jokic. And it's just not a lot of spacing. And that was right when LeBron James came off the floor and they had Rui at the four and AD at the five. And they didn't fully like get into that adjustment where where they were actually having Rui guard, but it allowed them to sag off a little bit. And and Jokic was still doing some crazy things, but that, that lineup actually sucked for for Denver. It wasn't it wasn't good and it actually gave up a run. So it would not surprise me. If the Nuggets decide to slide Michael Porter down, make sure that he is, is spacing the floor in that situation. If you don't give AD a guy that he can really roam off of, then it's a little bit different. And I think that Denver will probably try to go that direction. And as Michael Malone talked about today, they've, they've got other things in the, in the tank too. They'll probably try to move Aaron Gordon around a little bit more rather than just having him set up in the dunker the entire time, as you mentioned previously.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, that he can probably do, we saw the Lakers do this some with Vando in a, like sort of a similar situation where it's like, okay, there there's this four out there that teams aren't really respecting where they send him to the offensive glass more. And Aaron Gordon is more than capable of sort of doing that and trying to take advantage of that, you know, thing. So I, I would expect when he's on the floor to see a little bit more of that and a little bit more active, like, hey, I'm just going to try and use this ins- I I was talking to Anthony earlier today on our podcast. He's one of the few guys that you've ever been able to compare athletically to LeBron where, yeah, and like have it not be an incentive. Like he's one of the most athletic, you know, guys in NBA history. And so, you know, I think sending him to the boards, he's strong, you know, trying to get those long arms out there. Like I'm going to either tip this out or tip it back up on the rim or do something to kind of make myself a little bit more of a problem. Because as we've seen with the Lakers, they have had issues boxing out when AD's man, when he rotates off of that guy, that has been something that has been fruitful for opponents of them, like at points, you know, again, the Lakers have won that math game more often than not just because ad coming over as a secondary guy is usually just so problematic for teams where they're trying to figure it out that they can't take advantage of it enough but it is something where you know it, they the nuggets would get a couple buckets off of that probably you know and then i i actually the the taking him off the floor straight up and just sort of going mpj like you know four out around Jokic is an interesting one because like you said like that sort of you know that nullifies that adjustment where you can't, you know, have AD just completely abandon Michael Porter jr. And so does he have to go back onto Jokic? And then does that sort of, you know, hurt the utility of going to that lineup and having Rui out there more? Like, I don't know. And that's something that the
0: Lakers are going to have to figure out. And uh, for sure. Yeah. We'll, well, there's, there's plenty of, of things that would, that'll go back and forth between these two teams. Like if you take off Aaron Gordon, then what does that do to defending LeBron James? And now LeBron was, consistently getting hunted by LeBron, and I'll get to that in just a little bit, but going back to D'Angelo Russell here, uh, he's a guy that, like, Denver Denver made it no no mistake about it that they were trying to play D'Angelo Russell off the floor in game one. Like, that's... That was and, the and, goal. We're, and we're very proud of themselves for doing so, I will say.
1: It is the first time that I can... I don't know if you, you've, you've covered the NBA for quite a while now. I can't recall... A coach talking about an opposing player and playing them off the floor and like questioning whether or not they can play in this series openly in the media as often as Michael Malone has over the last 24 hours. Like it's definitely a, a, you know, Phil Jackson-esque attempt at like, I'm going to see if I can get this guy to say F you and then I'm going to take like 20 shots and try and prove this dumbass. You know, Mike Malone. Oh. Sorry, Michael. Michael yeah. Malone. Ron. Hey, that's that's um, right.
0: That's right. Don't you don't you get yeah. it twisted now? But uh, no, I think I, it's- I,
1: I, I I said like if the Lakers <laughs> if the Lakers lose game two, I'm going to start tweeting out his quotes as Mikey Malone and just see like you know if I can if I can get in his head if that could be like my D low like sort of adjustment. <laughs> like I don't. That's amazing. Uh, let's no. see mikey malone you know run these lineups at crypto you know
0: <laughs> miguel malone uh, that would be, <laughs> <laughs> could, he's miguel malone in los angeles yeah that's, that's fine uh no i think uh that's going to be fascinating I, I do think it's kind of goading d'angelo russell a little bit like he, he's definitely hearing all of that the lakers are definitely hearing all that they're going to try to keep d'angelo in the series as much as they can and they're, they're going to try to set him up and whether he can do that on the road or not remains to be seen. Like that's, we're just going to have to figure that out. He's, he's had moments in the past where he's folded like notably for the, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. The last time he played Denver right before uh, he was traded to the Lakers famously, he got ejected. Like that was his last moment as a Minnesota Timberwolf was in a I did not
1: realize game. that that's very It was funny. in a
0: <laughs> Nuggets game in ball arena, like where he was talking mess to, to a variety of people and got ejected in the third quarter with the, Timberwolves down 35. Like that's, uh, that's, that's not great.
1: That's not soccer. I, I I was just convinced, like initially, I'm like, did did he like spit in Michael uh, in Michael Malone's coffee during a pre-draft interview? Like, what did he do that <laughs> is making Michael Malone like this proud of like, yeah, we got D'Angelo Russell out of there. I thought we played him off the floor, guys. That guy sucks. I've always said fraud.
0: Well, um, it is, it's one of those yeah. things that like if if you are if you are the Lakers, how many guys can you really trust in the Western Conference Finals? Is is a big question. Where yeah, I think for you sure. Can trust really? I think you can trust LeBron and AD, of course, and I think you can trust Austin Reeves. But you start Agreed. taking some guys off the box, like if if Dennis Schroeder can't hit threes, I think the Nuggets are going to dare him. He made he made two of two in this last game, but if he if he misses them in the games going forward, then it changes a lot of things and it changes a lot for for all the for the entire rotation. So if you take take guys off the box a little bit, then that's a that is an important step to making the Lakers a little bit more guardable and a little bit more beatable. But uh, we'll we'll just have to see uh, on the on the other end of the floor though. Uh, well, nuggets, can I just
1: too. add on D'Lo really quick? Oh, yeah. Like he's sure. someone that has basically been a barometer for the Lakers' success during the playoffs. Like not necessarily where he has to go off for them to win or something. They're not that reliant on him, but he is. Such a luxury that, like, when he does go off and he does have a big scoring night, the Lakers have basically been unbeatable. You know, like when his shot is on, because he's just not a guy that opponents are going to send their. You know, with all due respect to KCP, you know, like he actually might be the Nuggets' best defender, maybe, or he's he's the the best guard defender, probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and. So like they're putting him on Russell. So that is going to make Russell's life a little bit more difficult than it has been in past series where he's been able to take advantage of sort of, you know, your Tyus Jones, your, your John Morantz, your, your, your Steph Curry's, at least making him work, you know, Clay Thompson type of thing. And so like that's going to make Russell's life a little bit more uh, harder. But I think that one of the things when we're talking about adjustments, like I think the Lakers are going to continue to really emphasize hitting the like, let's, let's get Jokic's man out here. Let's make him work defensively let's do the same thing that we did to Steph last round where, you know, maybe we're not going to score every single time, but we're going to make him work. And so I think Russell can be a part of that strategy, uh, potentially, where you know, they're having his, uh, they're having uh, you know, he's calling Jokic's guy out and trying to make him work and set up some of those little mid Rangers that he loves and, you know, get himself in a rhythm a little bit or at least make Jokic, you know, shuffle his feet, tire himself out defensively a little bit more and try and get him fatigued because that is something that the Lakers, you know, they did it to jaw in the first round they did it to Steph last round Jokic is obviously a big and so it's a little bit different but I do expect them to sort of you know try and make him work a little bit more and I think that you know guys like Russell guys like Dennis are going to be a part of that strategy I would imagine
0: no doubt no doubt and 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 like I completely agree I just don't I don't think that Jokic worked that hard on the defensive end last game and I don't think so either and I would expect them to
1: spam that button a little bit more
0: Yeah, and that that definitely helps. But I I also think it was kind of uh, by design. It was one of the reasons why he could play 42 minutes. And and I think he knew that. And I think the Nuggets knew that. So we will see. And he also, I I will give him credit. It was much smarter
1: about where he was reaching his hands on AD than he was. Like, he's grown a lot in that respect. And, and obviously, I've watched Jokic since then, but I was curious about, like, okay, AD's pretty good at draw, drawing fouls on bigs. Is He's going to be able to get Jokic, you know, kind of getting his hand in the cookie jar and stuff like that. He's one AD's one of the better centers in the league at sort of drawing a whistle and, you know, getting that. And I thought Jokic was really smart about the way that he defended him. Kept his, you know, uh, Darvin's had a saying all playoffs, like, put your hands where they can see them, you know? Like, get your yeah. hands up. And I thought Jokic was really, really good about making making sure that his hands were in full view of the refs the whole time. Just kind of use that, use that upper body strength, use that. If AD gets by you, it's not the end of the world. You get yourself in foul tr- Although he did by the end, I think like have like four fouls, right? Like,
0: or, yeah, yeah. And was- four, but one of the, one of the reasons why was because they actually challenged the call on Murray and, and like, it was forcibly placed onto Jokic at that point. So yeah, yeah. I, I, if, if that had, although murray. that ended up being
1: good because murray would have fouled out by the yeah. end because i think he finished with five so He's it ended up being five. a smart challenge but yeah like i would expect the Lakers to try and spam the foul trouble button a little bit more uh and the fatigue <laughs> okay. button a little bit more
0: <laughs> we we love that over here we love hearing that about the uh the
1: old foul drawers. I, and, and hey, like I'm just there. saying, they draw a lot of fouls. They have a lot of guys who are very good at it. It's not, you know, it's not, I, I know everybody, like, you know, I know no uh, other fan of any other team wants to hear this. Austin Reeves is a good, as good at drawing fouls. Like, he's good That's at drawing even, contact. It's not the, just flopping. Like because of how skinny he is, and because of how floppy his hair is, I'm convinced the like, hair is partially a strategy. I, I'm it, glad you recognize this. I, I think it looks it like looks, he's being shot by a gun. It, like, it's honestly. so visible when it flies back that like oh, the re- I think it God. allows for more. Oh, like God. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him grow it longer <laughs> this summer. You know, like he's he's gonna have like Nash hair by next yeah. uh, by next year, and uh, like just grow it all the way out. Um, yeah, like and AD is really good at getting like he has had you know throughout his Lakers career various bigs in like foul trouble hell just because he is a guy that he has you know a little bit of that kind of Kevin Durant like um, like bigger slower but like Kevin Durant like shiftiness I'm going to kind of get you off your spot and catch you reaching back in when you're trying to get back in position type of thing and like he is good at sort of going through a guy's chest and trying to finish and you know that at times will entice calls and the Lakers are a very physical team they're a team that plays a lot in the paint because they don't have a ton of shooting and uh, I do expect that they will there is going to be a game this series where you and other Nuggets fans are convinced that the NBA has rigged it and uh you know like I, I think that that is something that is going to happen
0: it'll be a Tony Brothers game
1: I, I have I have pretty uh I have a pretty strong I love that every him. fan base has their <laughs> rap but do you guys do you guys have beef with Scott Foster Tony, is that Tony's for Lakers fans Eric th- Lewis um who, yeah. who they they uh, hate which you know Look, there were a lot of pictures that came out after that. I don't know how much closely you followed this, the LeBron game in Boston, where like very clearly he was fouled like on a final go-ahead attempt and the refs had the sleepless nights tweet and whatever. And, you know, (laughs) Lakers fans during that, Time. some of the reasons that the refs may have had sleep in the nights is that Lakers fans had dug up like photos of Eric lewis's family all in Celtics jerseys like they're big Boston fans um and again i'm not condoning that sort of behavior but i understand why Lakers fans are worried about
0: like that ref specifically um Tony Brothers has ejected Jokic 3 times bro <laughs> Love it. Let's go. He, in he, line. <laughs> he's, he, yeah. I, he's,
1: he's Joey. He's, a uh, like he's the Joey Crawford to uh, Jokic's Tim Duncan. That's, that's
0: great. Honestly, like we're, we're gonna, we're gonna see what happens. Get him on Crawford. game two. I need it. Let's go. It's, it's gonna happen. I, I, I am already resigned to my fate. Um, all right. Hey, tell no, I, what, I, I want mean. him thrown out in the, in the first quarter, you know.
1: Sick. I just want to see the reactions.
0: <laughs> it will be uh, like it will be hell. That's for sure. These yeah, great ratings. <laughs> Although it, it is funny that we, we haven't heard a ratings tweet yet from uh, from the NBA after this one. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Is Jokic's okay success bad for the NBA? I think uh, a lot of people are asking this question. Next you know? on First Take. Um, <laughs> all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get some more adjustments, and then I'll, I'll ask you whether whether Game One affected your view of the series or not. But first. Everybody, uh, Mile High Sports has been doing great work uh, over the course of these last few years, over this course of of several years, and doing amazing things consistently. It is a great time to be a Denver sports fan, and the coverage here at Mile High Sports has never been better. As you guys know, I'm doing okay on the Denver Nuggets side of things. You're here, obviously, and I I appreciate you. Uh, We have a wide range of reporters and podcasters, though, that are covering the other pro and college teams across the front range. Make sure to check out Cody Rourke on the Broncos beat. Drew Creasman covering the Rockies and Arif Dean, although he is now covered in covering the the newly defeated Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs. That's unfortunate. Uh, that's that's uh, like we've got we've got other guys that, that you can definitely uh, step to it and, and be interested in for sure. Also, one of the other guys, Zach Seegers, is covering the CU Buffs, and, and if, you're, if you're following the CU Buffs at all, uh, Deion Sanders has been a major change over at that program. So make sure to go check it out. All of your local Colorado sports coverage is available at milehighsports.com and across social media at Mile high Sports. Plus, be sure to check out the latest issue of the MHS Magazine. Every team, every day, this is Mile High. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I think we, we probably need to pin down that pickaxe and roll logo to the uh, to the actual graphic. I just realized that it's been popping up on the other stuff, and it's been doing it for months, and I just I haven't really said anything about it. Harrison, no, that's that's okay. We're uh, we're we're having fun here. Uh, joined by Harrison Wind, obviously. Uh, oh. No, hey, look, that's a Freudian slit. That's okay. Mm. I
1: will I'll take it. Like it's not often that there's two Harrisons <laughs> covering a series. So yeah. I, I'm I'm glad that we are getting the Harrison Bowl uh once <laughs> again as a repeat of twenty although it was the true Harrison Bowl in twenty twenty when we also had Harrison Sanford of the Inside the Green Room podcast. Mm. Uh, you know, cover, that might have been the first playoff series ever covered by three guys named Harrison
0: that's uh that's that's two per fb nation stats info you know you guys it's, have to have the harrison off uh at, at some point or the harris off at, at some point that's no you know. we actually have
1: decided we are meeting in temecula to fight to see who mm. is going to be the one true harrison uh when he is out here
0: for <laughs> the game one program. harrison to rule them all. Yeah, yeah if he's me, i don't yeah.
1: know if he's actually coming I, <laughs> I, haven't talked to, I haven't talked to wind in a
0: little while oh but. my gosh no uh big fan big fan of harrison he's uh he's doing great work for DnBR as Thank always you. That's nice to be oh okay. uh no it's all it's all good we're uh, we're happy <laughs> Great stuff, uh, Harrison Fagan. Of course, is, is here with us covering the Los Angeles Lakers and then helping me out on pickaxe and roll. Uh, back to adjustments. Uh, this one, Denver avoiding screens against LeBron James. He he hunted Jamal Murray consistently, as, like from from the get go, basically. But especially in that second half, they making that run, trying to whether it's in the pick and roll, whether it's in the post, he was trying to get Jamal switched onto him to create advantages for the team. And definitely did. Part of it was Jamal Murray was sick. He, he's had uh, sickness and then an ear infection uh, that has has made things very difficult for him and hasn't really practiced each of these last couple of days. Uh, he put up thirty still, and, and clearly it didn't impact him a ton, but it probably impacted him on the defensive end just a little bit. Though we've seen this with Stephen Curry, we've seen this, we've seen this with LeBron doing it to small guards consistently. He's always going to try to get those guys into tough positions, and Jamal Murray is no different on that. Uh, Can can the Nuggets fans expect a reprieve from LeBron James at this point if, if he knows that he can get that switch? I'm gonna say number one, no. Uh, and number two,
1: I don't think an ear infection is necessarily the biggest impediment to Jamal Murray guarding LeBron James. Although I will grant, it probably didn't help. Um, you know, apparently he was uh, really
0: painful. Apparently he was feeling a lot. No, of no,
1: pain. no. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to make light of it at all. I'm just saying, like, I don't yeah. think, like, even Jamal Murray, uh, fully free of any illness. Uh, you know, I- I'm not sure is necessarily the defensive answer on LeBron. Although I did think it was. Uh, there was one point, you know, sort of in the third. It was either like late third or early fourth where the Nuggets a couple times, came out with Murray just on LeBron, just, like, avoided the switching, like, whatever. And I I almost feel like it threw him off a little bit. It was, like, sort of the – it was the primary defender version of just, like, leaving a guy wide open. He's like, wait a second, what? Like, he's on me to start? like And I thought it kind of, like, gummed up the works a little bit where he was almost like, okay, wait, what do we do now? Like, I don't – where I thought I was going to have to run him through screens, and, and so I, I expect sort of that to be, uh, you know, them to expect that sort of trick, but I thought that was a smart little thing to just sort of, you know, like, hey, we're, he's going to end up on you anyway. Let's just, like, start out the possession and defend straight up everywhere else and see what happens Um, and and see if this throws you off a little bit, and I thought it worked, a, you know, to some degree. Um, I do expect LeBron, visit, like you mentioned, this has been his whole career. Like, he t- tries to bully these guys and go after, you know, these sort of small guards on switches or… Or primary defense out of the post you know whatever it may be he is going to try and make murray's life difficult on that end and you know um so yeah I, I don't think the nuggets fans should necessarily expect a reprieve from that uh although you know again i don't think it'll be just lebron trying to hunt him either like i think the lakers will continue to look to sort of make denver think about things using multiple guys and trying to sort of keep them guessing keep them working you know keep their heads on a swivel and just sort of mentally and physically fatigue them a little bit
0: sidebar I just saw some people mentioning Jimmy Butler in the chat the the Miami Heat are probably going to win game one here they're up by eight with less than 30 seconds remaining unbelievable and (laughs) uh, Jason Tatum turns the ball over three times in the final three minutes including on two travels Two traveling calls. <laughs> it's just At just... this point, like it's they just have to be terrified
1: of Jimmy Butler, right? Like he oh, just he's like the boogeyman for them. It's unbelievable. Like <laughs> he has risen from like from literally like the NBA version of the dead to like yeah. come to the
0: Eastern Conference finals and they lost a play-in game. Like it's I couldn't just... I couldn't believe it. I for the entire year I called the Miami Heat average. I still don't know if they're not average. Average was a compliment for like yeah. a good chunk of the year. Yeah. Right. But the, like, I just think the Eastern Conference is full of frauds. And I have thought for that for basically my entire livelihood. Uh, but... I-, I think Jimmy is like the first player in NBA history to actually figure
1: out like the mythical switch. You know, like he has actually actually figured out that there's some switch somewhere in your body that you can flip. that just activates playoff mode on. And he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just, you know, I'm a 40% three point shooter now. I just am. I've decided this, you know, after sort of, I get, he's getting all of his misses out of the way in the regular season and then regressing upwards to the mean. He's figured out something.
0: It's, you know, he's a, a video game character. He's, he's yeah, just powering up. I, I have no idea. No idea even who who to compare him to in the video game world. Like you probably know better than I do, if, if we're being honest. Like who who powers yeah, up I don't the, know. the way that like it's for some some uh, like I don't know Naruto kind of shit. I, I, yeah, I, I've no, never he, watched Naruto. He,
1: yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's like small. it's like you know the, to go back to Jedi Survivor. He's like Cal Kestis when he activates you know like the slowdown mode on everyone. Mm, yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. hit the you hit the two joysticks and all of a sudden everyone slowed down and you're just going ham on them with your lightsaber. That's Jimmy in the
0: playoffs. <laughs> he's just you know yeah it's you know you, you know what it actually is it's it's him opening up the second end of his lightsaber <laughs> yeah no he's, the, he's, he's the, jimmy's dual wielding in the playoffs i was he's, I was playing with yeah. one lightsaber before now i'm playing with two <laughs> like yeah that's uh that's amazing I, i'm um,
1: convinced he must shoot threes with his eyes closed during the regular season
0: throws teams off like i i don't i don't understand how this is possible i love it i love it um Aaron Gordon's role, uh, we we talked about this a little bit, maybe like just getting him off the court at times, but also we've, we've seen what happens when teams try to involve AD in the pick and roll, like the Warriors won a game like that when you're trying to hide him on Andrew Wiggins and Wiggins starts setting screens for Steph and you could probably win one game like that. I wonder if if Denver has the actual juice to be able to do that, if if Murray's capable of doing that. I mean, he's he's been a playoff riser so far for, for much of his career, and I'm not sure the Lakers yeah. really want to play with fire on that front. So if they continue if they play drop in that situation where you've got AG there, AG's also a good enough passer that he can do some of the Jokic stuff. Just not a ton. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what it ultimately looks like. Uh I don't want to spend too much time on that though, because I'm I'm very curious as to hear your other perspectives on uh, did, did game one affect your view of the series at all? Like, like what was, what was your first thought after watching that game? Not really, I will say, because again, I'm I'm someone
1: that expected this to go long and expected it to be competitive, and I also, frankly, expected the Lakers to lose Game One. I I said this on I did like a I did a radio hit, you know, yesterday morning where I you know outlined what I think my map of the series is going to be, and I I sort of anticipated them losing Game One. I think again, the Nuggets are the number one seed for a reason. They have home court advantage for a reason. They have one of the best like actual home court advantages in sports in terms of you know you act, the altitude of and actually having that be like a real thing that hits players versus just like, oh, man, the fans are loud now when we miss rather than when we make or something like that. Like there's a little bit of that, but there's also like the oh, my God, like I can't breathe and this sucks. Um, and so I, I do think again, and that's not me saying that the Lakers only lost because of the altitude or something like that. But I think it's generally a factor early on in these series. And it is something that players, you know, have to adjust to and get, you know, acclimated.
0: One thing I do want to mention about the altitude is that everybody talks about how the Nuggets, like, they they benefit from it, but they also have to deal with it themselves. Like, these players get tired, too. Now, they they might be a little bit more accustomed to it than than some of these other teams, but it's not like the Nuggets have had that much longer in the altitude than the Lakers have at this point of the series. And when they go back to... but when, like, they go there's back a mental falls. acclimation
1: there, I think, too, yeah. that like, you know, you're used to getting hit with that wall a little bit, uh, yeah, you know, true. versus like it is like, like, oh, my God, like I'm not as fast as I was or why am I breathing so heavily or whatever? <laughs> like, I think you, there is like a mental, you know, a little bit that's, uh, you know, uh, over dramatic, but like there is a little bit of that. And, you know, again, like the Nuggets were going to come out and try and show why they are, you know, the number one team in the Western Conference, why, you know, Jokic should have won the third MVP, whatever they're trying to prove the, why they are, should be the title favorite, whatever it is that they feel like they are trying to prove and you know uh, emphasize like they were going to come out and i think like you know like gangbusters in game one and i sort of expected that and i think the lakers you know i I think they should have a solid chance to steal game two but at the same time if they go all out this is a team whose energy has been up and down you know throughout the playoffs and like frankly i didn't even think that we got like obviously lebron was hunting murray a little bit last night to me was not fully engaged lebron um you -hmm. know he settled for jumpers a lot, uh, you know, early on. And that to me is sort of, he also was not, certainly not uh, fully engaged defensively in that first half, maybe a little bit more in the second half, nor do I expect him to be fully engaged for, you know, however his entire minutes load, you know, at age 38. Like that's just not something that's realistic to expect and it's not something he's going to do. And so there is going to be a degree if he's going to pick his spots throughout the series. And I think that like, if they do go all out to try and steal game two and tie this thing back up at 1-1, then I don't think that they're necessarily, going to be able to hold serve on their home court like they have so far throughout uh, this series like this is a team that again like energy level execution level they're very up and down because they're so reliant on these two guys that are both sort of battling injuries and both sort of battling you know different issues AD still has that foot thing that he's playing through LeBron has you know the the German LeBron of feet doctors uh, whatever told him it was the only one that told him he didn't need surgery like they're both playing through stuff and so their activity and ability to go and go all out has been up and down throughout the playoffs. And so I think that, you know, they're, they, I think they're going to play better in game two than they did start game one. I think they potentially steal that one. Even if they don't, you know, maybe they're able to sort of, you know, capture some home court advantage and tie this thing up. And maybe they're not. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit and maybe they actually aren't as good as I think they are. But I think that this team is better defensively than they showed last night. I think that they have some more offensive things and some more tools in the tool bag that they can go to. And I also think that one thing that I keep an eye out for is to that point of LeBron's sort of defensive engagement and effort level, the one area where he still locks in pretty much 100% of the time is post-up defense. And because it's like, okay, no one's going to notice if I get back cut 17 times, like no one's going to notice as long as I sort of wave my hand and I yell at someone or I'm quarterbacking the defense on the back line, like nobody's going to notice that like I just gave up like six layups this game to, you know, Bruce Brown or whoever it may be like back cutting me because I just was sort of standing up and hoping AD would get the rebound and then I can sprint. I got, you know, X amount of sprints left in my legs per game, and I'm going to see it. So at that point, I'm going to run, not going to use that on defense. But you know, LeBron is still incredibly strong. Um, one of the strongest, like, you know, players in terms of just proportional strength that I think we've seen in NBA history. And so I, I would actually look for I-, I think we're gonna see him on Jokic at some points in the series to both engage his defense because that is a matchup that he will take personally and not just sort of like he's not gonna let Jokic just back him down. Jokic may back him down anyway, because he's incredibly strong. But I do think that we're gonna see, you know, in order to sort of get the most engaged version of LeBron, like that would be one of the things. Things that I would look for potentially if, you know, if the Nuggets take Aaron Gordon off the floor and they're trying to, you know, sort of in an effort to like maybe make the Rui matchup not as advantageous and the Lakers go a little smaller. I would look for some segments of the game where LeBron is on Jokic to sort of fully engage him and, you know, allow AD to sort of continue to p- fulfill that Romer uh, defensive secondary help that he's so much more devastating at.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to see if he could physically handle it. And you, you probably know it better than me, but I think one of the... One of the moments where we knew that Jokic was for real was back in 2018, where he was guarded by LeBron James on a switch when he was back in Cleveland. And uh, he gets a switch. The Nuggets are up like 17 in the third quarter, gets a switch, backs down backs down LeBron and puts up a junk, jump hook over him for two. And everybody kind of knew what that moment was. It was kind of cool to see the crowd kind of get up for that moment at that point, like five years ago, and now we're seeing it. And like that could be the difference between Denver getting to their first NBA finals in history or not. And so like, that's, it's going to be very fascinating to see what, whether he's able to do that or not. Like I, I think and the- to be clear, I don't think Le- Le-
1: LeBron can clamp Jokic or by any means or whatever, yeah, but no. I think similar to what we saw from Rui last night, he can hold up enough physically to allow the help to come. Like, that's all you're really doing. You're not sending that guy because you think they're actually going to stop Jokic. Like, I'm pretty sure that if you had, you know, Rui and Jokic and you put them on a court just by themselves or even Rui and LeBron and you just said, okay, like, you, you cannot leave the gym until you stop him from getting this jump hook off or scoring or whatever, I'm pretty sure Jokic would score every time. But that's, you know, that's not how basketball is played and so you're going to have ad sort of coming over trying to make that difficult make either make that shot difficult force the pass you know whatever and i think that the lakers will continue to try and you know scramble some things and that is one look that i would look for them to go to but yeah certainly not implying that lebron is going to stop Jokic from being he's just going to fluster him and there's no way he's getting to the basket or anything like that
0: before the series, I predicted Nuggets in five because I was aggressive and because I, I thought, okay, we're gonna, we're just going to ride the wave and we're going to we're going to enjoy this. We're going to have a good time with it. And I just think that the Nuggets are a better team. I th- I've thought that since uh, basically December that they were the best team in the league. And not the best team, the best team in the West for sure. And now that the East has fallen apart entirely, I feel.
1: Pretty I, I think it's safe to say that based on resume, right? They certainly have the best resume in the league right now. Uh, yeah. Playoffs and uh, playoffs and everything else included.
0: Yeah. So like, you. You want to feel confident. Every, every little bit of my soul that says the Lakers are a better franchise than Nuggets historically is dragging me back down and saying, OK, things don't work out for you. Things don't work out at all. And that this is this is not how this works for you, Denver Nuggets fans. So we're fighting against that for sure. I decided, you know what? Screw it. We're going to kill Nug Life, which is what we call it, and we're going to say, yeah, this is this is what should happen on the basketball court, in my opinion, because I think the Nuggets are a better team. Now, I think what happened in Game One, I, I do think that I'd probably add a game for sure. Like I'd, I'd probably go Nuggets in six at this point, but that's that's me saying, yeah, Denver probably defends home court in that situation, and they get game two, and they they make sure to claim home court and then they steal one in in l a and that's that's the hope to be able to make it a shorter series, and even if they don't steal one, then Denver shown the ability to win a game five and then a game six on the road, like they just did that to yeah. the Minnesota, or to the Phoenix suns, and it's not like them I mean, because they had just been. Not blown out by the Suns, but they like it. It felt like the momentum had shifted in that previous series, yeah. and then they then they got it right back, and it wasn't ever really that much of a doubt at the end. Um, I don't know if it affects it that much, but what do you think? In your opinion, you, so you're you're still thinking Lakers in seven? I'm still thinking Nuggets. I'll, I'll say Nuggets in six now. Uh, what has to you're happen? You're just saying
1: that because I'm here. You're, I, as soon as I leave, you're going to yeah. be like, yeah, you know, all that stuff was BS. <laughs> nuggets and <laughs> no,
0: five, it, maybe. It's funny. <laughs> I, I was, I've been told by multiple people, stand strong in your takes against the Lakers, brethren. Come on now. And okay, I'll, I'll keep saying Nuggets and five. I'll keep saying that. What has to happen in game two for you to change your view? If the
1: Nuggets blow the Lakers out in game two, that would maybe shift it a little bit because I... Although no you know what I'm gonna say it, the nuggets would have to win another close game in game two because at that point it's like okay the Lakers have thrown two really good punches and lost both times like if the I guess if the nuggets just blow them out in game two then that would sort of follow the Lakers general pattern of like we're going to really really lock in for one game and then uh, and then we're going to you know sort of go half speed and see if we can steal this one like we're not gonna completely go in the tank or whatever but this is something that they've done throughout their past two series where you know they go all out try to win game one on the road and then uh like you know rest up a little bit in Game Two, defend home court, take that three-one lead, punt Game Five, and then finish it off in six. You know, uh, and that has sort of been their math throughout the series. And I didn't think that they could go to that because of the altitude factor, because of the adjustment, because Denver is frankly just like a better opponent. You know, starting out a series, like you, you don't know what's going to happen there in Game One. And it's, so again, like that was all sort of what affected me to go Lakers in seven. But if the Lakers, you know, throw a really no- another really good solid punch and they clearly go all out tomorrow night and end up coming up short again, then it's like, oh, like, you know, how much gas have they used of this sort of, you know, limited reserve that they have, and are they going to be able to defend both games of home court after sort of going all out uh, in Denver? And, like, I don't know that that's the case. So I guess that would sort of have to be what it is. Like, if it's another really close loss where the Lakers are, especially if it's one where, like, the Lakers outplay them as thoroughly as they did for, like, a a significant stretch of that fourth quarter, and they still, Denver still has enough answers to come up, you know, uh, come up and finish it out, then it's like, uh uh-oh. Like, is a little bit problematic and not sort of the normal, you know, like oh, you know, played them tough on the road. That's a good sign. They'll beat them at home, whatever. Just because of sort of the energy factor and the uh, sort of nicks and knacks that both LeBron and AD are playing through.
0: Yeah, it's gonna gonna be fascinating. Just because I I think that you're right that if it, if it is a close game and Denver's able to dig it out once again, then it means that, like you said, the Lakers worked hard for two straight games. And that's one thing that when you when you think about where the Lakers have, how they've gotten to this point, they didn't have to try in the game twos. Like they they did in, in at least like moderate amounts, but they, they knew that they didn't have to like go all out in those situations in order to win a series. I think they're going to have to go all out to win game two. And if they don't, then Like, hypothetically, let's say they don't – they get blown out in in game two. Do you think that this Lakers team can win four or five if two of those games are in Denver? Yeah, I mean – it's possible, but it does definitely, you know,
1: sort of hurt it a little bit, you know, it, like it, it's certainly uh, the odds are against it at that point. And at that point, it starts to look a lot more like Nuggets in five or six where, you know, if you come up short in these first two games, just because at that point, the math is against you and you basically have to be perfect. I, I'm not saying like, you know, a team with LeBron and AD, I, I'm not going to rule them out of anything, but it, the odds go way down. And again, like that's sort of what's factoring into like if they come up short tomorrow, then I start to feel a little bit, you know, less good about that Like. And seven pick. I think for me. But the one thing that I will say like, the thing that still gives me confidence coming out of game one as well is that it's, it's, completely clear that the Nuggets have no one that's going to stop AD, and so if he's going to be able to be an offensive weapon sort of, you know, again, going up against a much less defensively stout you know, sort of option at the rim than he's seen in the last two series where you know, he has Draymond Green who's always given him problems, always, you know, sort of flustered him to a degree, and then Jaron Jackson Jr., the defensive player of the year, like, you know, the Nuggets again, with all due respect, they're just not that in terms of AD defense, and if AD can sort of, you know, get rolling as easily as he was able to for the majority of last night like that does give me confidence that this can be a long series and the Lakers can come out because he has been someone who offensively has had to be up and down because he just you know given how much he has to exert defensively on that end of the floor he's not always able to bring it on offense and that has sort of led to the Lakers coming up short some nights where if he can sort of get going offensively a little bit easier than he's been able to in these last two series that does give me some hope
0: I'm not gonna lie I I think it's okay for Denver if AD continues to try to go for 30 or 40 and then also have to defend Jokic because it's just a question of fatigue. It's just a question of conditioning and wearing down. And like in a sure. long series where if you're Jokic, you're you're knock on wood, like you're doing pretty well from a, a health perspective and from a conditioning perspective right now. AD is still liable at at various points to develop a nick, knack, to develop whatever, like like a bruise not or, or, or actually he's playing like through a
1: stress reaction in his foot like they're they're saying it's like oh like he probably doesn't have to have surgery or whatever till the end of the you know till yeah, the off right. season or like if he does if he has to have surgery maybe it's just like healed enough to play but you know the Lakers down the stretch of the season just like didn't play him back to so backs. like this is still an active injury that he's listed with on the injury report every single game so yeah like that could get worse you know as we've seen with AD's history anything else could happen you know I'm hopeful that it doesn't because I think this is going to be a great series but you're absolutely right like the fatigue it, and that's again like why I feel good about the offense is like he's not having to fatigue himself
0: as much on that end to get those points as he was in past series. I do think that Jokic is going to scale it back a little bit offensively, and he's going to try to get more guys involved, especially if they go to this Hashimura matchup where you you continue to generate the open threes, you continue to generate mm-hmm. the cuts, uh, try to set other people up at the rim. Uh, and and he could he definitely do that. He can absolutely do that. But he's also going to have to be even more into what Anthony Davis is doing on the, on the, on the offensive end, like Denver, Denver can't like, I think personally, like this, this may sound like copium. I think that what Jokic did defensively was pretty calculated in that second half. And, did not expend a lot of energy on that half.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I I think you, you can sort of tell these things and like, I've seen AD have games where he goes through that or like, especially LeBron does this uh, quite a bit where it's like, you can tell when LeBron is trying to stop someone versus when he is trying to like, you know, Hey, if you take a jumper, that's not the worst thing in the world. Like you, you can, you can have like this and that and whatever. And like, I'm just not going to foul you and I'm going to try and, you know, get it back on offense.
0: No doubt. Um, Last you'll get one to play here. foul trouble defense almost uh, down the stretch of that game <laughs> there's, a little bit there's, you know? there's yeah. certainly some of that and like honestly if we're getting tony brothers then he may not be able to touch ad <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see about that but we'll uh, we can cross that bridge when we come to it um which nuggets home game do you think the lakers are most likely to win going forward if, if they are going to win the series they're going to have to win a win a road game mm-hmm. uh, is it game two game five or game seven
1: Ooh, that's it. I mean, you know, if we're getting into probabilities, you know, I think like you, you almost have to say two, right? Just because that's so. the game that they're guaranteed to have. But I think, you know, in terms of the game that I feel sort of like weirdly the more, most confident, I don't know. For some reason, I'm feeling five. I don't know. It's just a vibe. Mm. Um, just a vibe, yeah. baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, they're tied to two. make sure to steal the game five so you can have game six on your home court like. With uh, up three two, that's a. I mean, it's an understandable, understandable thing. But if if that were to happen, if the Nuggets were to win the first two and then lose the next three, that would feel, that would feel pretty tough. That would be a, that would be a pretty tough uh, barrier to overcome. If it no. makes you feel better, it's hard for me to pick this
1: Lakers team because, again, I've, I hate to keep mentioning harping the energy drum, whatever, but, like, that has been a real thing for this team, and I, I just – it's why I wasn't willing to pick them in anything less than six in any of the prior series. I went I went Lakers in seven last round. Uh, they ended up getting it done in six. I went Lakers in six in the first round. That's what they did. It's just hard for me to envision this team winning three games in a row at any point, which, uh, again, is why I would expect this to be a longer series. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. Like, I mean
0: – Denver's got their their work cut out for them I think they've got to hold home court if they are going to win this series if they're going to do what I think that they can do and and that's win it in shorter than seven then they've got to get a road game and they're obviously capable of that they've shown that in the two previous rounds but we will see what it ultimately looks like but Harrison I have kept you on way longer than I said I would uh, as as, no uh, no just five minutes over and I I actually
1: still have one. I mean, this is what we do, but I have one more question for you. Like sure. how coming out of game one, how impressed were you with Jokic's ability to adapt the Ishvia so quickly after seeing that move for the first time? You know, like because, you know, again, like Austin Reeves, with all due respect, not the strongest NBA player. Um, you know, <laughs> I thought that was impressive how quickly Jokic mastered the like, oh, oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, No.
0: Yeah, he's uh, well, I mean, if if you're that's what the greats do, though, you know, Kobe, the actual yeah, Kobe teachers went- of the move, the teachers of the move, LeBron James <laughs> has been teaching sessions, seminars on on that move for years to come, and then we're uh, we've got plenty, frankly, we've got plenty, we've saw, we've seen you, we've we've saw the film, we know what happened. I, I thought most- I, I thought it was frankly disrespectful
1: <laughs> for him to do Austin Reeves' move on Austin Reeves. That was yeah, that, know, that it, certainly yeah. hurts
0: Hur- hurts Austin yeah. Reeves' case in that regard. But it, it's yeah. also funny that we we got a lot of that from uh, people that were complaining about Jokic flopping in in the previous round where yeah i had to had to worry about booker making the faces like that that was when he makes a face in the picture and i uh... i just hate i hate flopping complaints because every single team does it every
1: single team has guys that flop except for unless it's about james harden because that man grifted his way to like an mvp and whatever like that that's the one where i think that you can complain about it because it was like the primary component of his game that allowed him to unlock everything else was the grifting everyone else like i'm again I'm so tired of every single round is like teams fan bases accusing the other one of flopping. It's like, like, I don't, I, I don't want to hear from nuggets fans. Like, Oh man, like, you know, like Austin Reeves flops. It's like, yeah, have you seen the guy that like, is your two time MVP? It's like 300
0: pounds. And like, you know, like it, it certainly throws his head around a little yeah, bit. There are, there are that. levels to this shit. I do want to, I do want to say that, like, look there, there's a reason why Jokic had to start doing it. And it, it's because uh, he wasn't getting the calls before. It's, I think you can, no, I mean, Every team does it to get yeah. calls. That's my point. It's like, yeah. you know, and again, I don't want to hear it from
1: Lakers fans complaining about Jokic because it's like, have you seen Austin Reeves' hair?
0: You know, <laughs> Austin Reeves' hair is, is the real MVP, if we're being honest. So it's, uh, it, it's very, we made it almost it's... the whole, we made it almost the whole series before the COVID, a- the podcast
1: before the COVID for effects hit me. I, I you know, we <laughs> didn't even hear it. Didn't even hear it. Okay. The, uh, All right. That's on, good. On, we on went three show, minutes, so... uh, three minutes too long.
0: Oh, it's okay. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about it. But look, we uh we had a good time, uh Harrison, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Do you have anything to plug before we head out? No, I mean, just, you know, check out Silver Screen Roll.
1: Check out, you know, SB Nation. Like, you know, we're going to have coverage there of the, the, of the, um, you know, finals and, you know, the playoffs as they go along. Um, you know, the Silver Screen Roll obviously is where I do the, all of my writing. Um, and so if you want to catch any more of my perspective on the series or any of the adjustments or any of the developments, like I'll be over there. We have good crew. Um, and yeah, you know, just, uh, the, the Lakers Lounge, if you want to hear me, uh, you know, twice a month, I go on there with Anthony Irwin
0: and, uh, you know, we have a good time. Awesome. Fantastic. Michael, can you get that outro music for me? Everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much to Harrison for hopping in. Harrison Wind, of course. Uh, Harrison Fagan had to take the day off. Uh, but everybody, thank you so much. Hit that like button on the way out if you can. I'll be live most likely tomorrow night after the game, but you never know. Maybe maybe it'll end up being Friday morning. We will just have to see. But uh, like like Harrison, we're going to try to go live and hopefully Denver can pull out a win. Uh, that will be a, a much better thing for my heart rate than this last game. Should be good. Hit that like button on the way out. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.